Okay. <laughs> okay, five, four. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome back to Time to Talk About Podcast. Um, I'm Eden Obadam, and I'm here with Noble Obadam and a very special guest today. Hi, my name's Nadia. Um, on Instagram, I am underscore Nadia Salmo with two H's. And yeah. That's so much social media you want to plug? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I do have a TikTok. But <laughs> Please. I'm not really on there like that. But if you want some, you know, wholesome content, it is underscore underscore Nadia as in N-A-D-I-Y-U-H-E. Nadia. <laughs> Thank you All for right. coming on, Nadia. We're happy to have you. Thank you for having me. Um, so today we want to take the time to talk about something a little more cultural. Um, we want to talk about our experiences um, growing up in African households living in America. Um, I think at this point, you guys probably know, but Noble and I um, were brothers um, and our parents are from Ghana, so we're very much Ghanaian American, very proud to be so. Not that you are. Ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I am Kenyan and Liberian. My mom is Kenyan, specifically Kikuyu, per, and my dad is Liberian and he is Loma. So I say I'm both and I'm very proud of both. Which mm. side do you feel like you are um, closer to? So I get that question a lot. Um, I think it's pretty equal. I try and keep it equal just because when I'm older, I want to be able to teach my kids about both sides equally mm. so i try to involve myself in both cultures at an equal level that's good yeah that's great um okay she mixed um okay um that's interesting um yeah i'm full well you're part-time Ghanaian as well. Let's talk about I that. I am. So by association, I'm an Ashanti girl. Yeah. You know, yeah. from where? Has been uh, from Kumasi. Period. <laughs> you didn't big trees, big trees. What you know? Um, Aquaba. No, girl. <laughs> 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 is crazy. You guys are teaching me trees. So, you know, I know it's possible here and there. You know. <laughs> My. No, I get that because I'm, I'm part-time Kenyan since when I'm in Charlotte here. I'm around more Ken. Well, I'm around Kenyans a lot at home too. But I go yeah, to we Kenyan grew up around here, Kenyans. So when I'm here, I'm very much, you know, very much um Luo, very much. Luo is crazy. <laughs> Actually, is I don't crazy. know if there's more Luos in my church or um Kisi or because they just speak Swahili. I have mm. to ask. Mm. I think that there's a lot of Kisis, but but Eden, you know more Luos, right? We I mean, I know like okay, that's the thing, because my closest friends are either Luo or Kisi. So I feel like yeah. I know. Like, and I guess you're Kikuyu, so, but you're literally yeah. the only Kikuyu person I know. And see, that's so crazy to me, guys, because I only know Kikuyus. Like, really? The Kenyans I know here are the only non-Kikuyu people I know that are Kenyans, so it's very interesting to me. Hmm. Um, no, I did thought that, like, Kisi was, like, the only Kenyan tribe. That's and little, And little for, like, it'd be a good time. That is <laughs> A good 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Like, please. Because um, so that's all we knew. Out- no, that makes sense. We be out like in Raleigh. There's a lot in Atlanta, Massachusetts, Maryland. Yeah, Atlanta is infested with Africans to begin oh, with. Oh yeah. <sighs> so you know, um, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so yeah, we just want to talk about our experiences um, growing up in, I guess, two very different cultures. You know, like I mean, all the majority of my childhood, or basically all my childhood, I spent here. Same thing with Noble. Stay with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like um, when we were outside um, the house and we were inside the house, like that was two very different experiences. Um, and I feel like sometimes people that were not, did not have a similar cultural back- background to us, you know, had a difficult time understanding why I was the way I was coming from the home. Um, and I think it's because, first of all, I stemmed from the fact that the parents are just so different from like, white parents mm. like very like <laughs> like yeah no let's talk about it go ahead yeah. Nadia um I just feel like the way we were raised was so just I think the way they um what's the word disciplined us was very odd at times 
extremely odd like just the things we got in trouble for i feel like as developing children we shouldn't have been so aggressively disciplined absolutely not um, yeah i agree you know it's it's a case-by-case sure. case type of scenario where it's like some parents are a little more harsh than others but i think overall um african parents they just hey they go in <laughs> <laughs> and i mean they I mean, mean well they but mean well. Like, we true. have very good parents. Oh, like, yeah. I say this oh, all the time. Like, my parents, I'm so grateful for them. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I would use the same punishing techniques on my own show. I don't think I'm going to because, mm-hmm. hey, like, anyways. I think, <laughs> like, literally. I think there needs to be levels. Like, looking back, like, from when I was a kid, like, there are a lot of things that, like, I got in trouble for that I just didn't really understand, like, why they were wrong or why they didn't like or why they were so mad about it. So I think sometimes some things you need to take your child and sit down and talk to them. Like it needs to be more of a teachable moment than, you know, let me crack the whip, you know? It's true. And, and I think there are some situations where I may not need to be spanking. There are some situations that you have to be more firm. Like it's not, it's not every situation you can like, let's have a discussion, especially when kids are younger. Like you have to understand that's difficult too, because two-year-olds, three-year-olds, not everything that you say, they're going to be able to understand and actually sit there and reason with you. But there has to be a balance, you know, (laughs) in my opinion, I'm not a parent, but you know, it's, I've definitely thought a lot about like my childhood and like maybe things that like mistakes that were made along the way and things that like, you know, you don't want to pass on to your children because a lot of these things, you know, our parents may not realize our grandparents may not realize it, but they can turn into sort of, you know, traumas later that sort of follow you into your adulthood and like I don't want to bring those traumas on to you know my kids right Mm. that's the thing because they'd be like oh it worked on me it worked on me it's like did it really though because then you know like I don't know it just does not make that much sense to me now they say that though but a lot of our parents have mental like mental issues that they've never really addressed um I'm not going to go too deep into that that's personal you know yeah that's that's not my place to really talk about but I just feel like a lot of them have trauma or anger that they've stored up yeah. over the years that they've never really talked about. And then mm-hmm. they they carry the same tactics on to their children. Um, and it's like we're living in a different time and a different society. Um, the kids today, I feel like we're a lot more outspoken um, and just not willing to like go along with everything. So that can cause a lot yeah. of tension w- within the household. And I just feel like that causes a lot of strife that could be dealt with otherwise if the parents were just willing to break out of the way they were raised. Mm, um, but at the same true, time, you yeah. can't blame them because that's how they were raised. That's, that's what they were taught was right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I know I can speak for you and I that I think we're very blessed that, you know, our parents have done the best job that they can. And I think that's what many parents do. Many African parents do, you know, they're doing the best that they know how. But I've thought about it a lot for sure, as I've gotten older, like, you know, like our dad, I think a lot about how, you know, his father was not very present in his life after maybe like age four or five, like he was only around when he was young, young. And after like, by the time he got to like, you know, maybe like the latter half of elementary school, his father wasn't really around anymore. So sometimes I wonder like, you know, how does that play into how he parents, you know, because he didn't have the traditional father figure. Of course, he had his grandfather and like other male role models in his life as he grew. But, you know, and and he's talked about it for I know he told me before that, like, you know, sometimes he wonders like how his dad leaving him as he was a kid, like, because he obviously was it was a big trauma for him. Like, it was really hard for him to understand, like why his dad was leaving them all of a sudden. And he says sometimes he wonders, like, how has that shaped him negatively, you know? So it's it's definitely like uh, there's negatives to it there's there's downsides to it but it's also like how can we break the cycle right we have to be able to to be like okay we know this so how can we do better and not pass it on to the next generation exactly and eventually like my um my dad did go to live with his grandfather eventually he moved to um england but obviously the relationship was like going to be very different Mm than how it was when um he was growing up in ghana mm. you know especially because by that point he was a teenager he was a lot older 
wasn't um, used to having a father figure. He wasn't used to having like his father would come to Ghana sometimes, but like they they didn't really spend that much time together. Like his father had an entire life in England, so sometimes like I do like Noble is saying I do wonder how that kind of played into the way that he parented. Sometimes I feel like um, from time to time he had to um, figure out how to train us like himself because he never had his dad to do that for him and his mom mm-hmm. was very much there like my dad loves his mom so much Aww. you know um but i feel like especially like in the culture that we have the way that a mom parents and the way that a dad parents is just going to be very different very different very yeah. different you know so um i don't know it's just really interesting to see i want to talk about that too um how what role did your mom play in your household growing up and what role did your dad play because, like, in my household, um, I would say for an African family, we're very non-conventional um, in the sense that my parents were always very adamant on me being able to speak about my feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, not in every context, but from time to time, they would sit me down and tell me, you know, like, we're your parents. We want you to be able to, like, communicate with us openly. So I'm very blessed um, to have them as parents and to have that open communication. Mm-hmm. Um of course, there's like certain things that they did that I won't be doing to my kids. But for the most part, my parents did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to the whole like non-conventional thing in my household, my mom was more of the discipliner. Um, yeah, she she would put her foot down from time to time. Whereas my dad, um, all throughout my childhood, he was very much like the chill parent, like the one we'd go to when we wanted something. Um, not just for that reason, but you know what I mean. <laughs> You know, he was chill, whereas my mom, when we were, I guess, a bit more scared of her um, and didn't have, um, I guess, the typical motherly relationship where you go to your mom for, like, soft parenting, um, whereas the dad is seen as more of the harsh parent. Like, it was flipped for me and my sister. Like, how was that for you guys? I feel like... So let me ask you... Oh, sorry, Eden. No, you're but good. Before we, before we talk about our family, let me ask you, Nadia, because you mentioned... Um, like your parents telling you that it's important to be able to talk to them about, you know, your feelings and things. Yeah. So do you feel like you can talk to your parents about pretty much anything, like for the most part? Hmm. Okay. Especially <laughs> like now. Um, I think now that I'm an adult and I'm making most decisions on my own, um, I'm more open to speaking to them about things Mm because I'm going to make a decision and then go to them and talk to them about it. So by then it's already made. Mm. But as a kid, (laughs) you know, there's definitely like times where things would happen and I kind of just like keep it to myself or tell like an older cousin just because I felt like their immediate response, even though it was always like at the end, they would be very loving and accepting, but their mm-hmm. first response would be like hey! condemnation or like, yeah. Yeah. Hey, I can't believe it, yeah. you know, like all that stuff. Um, so I think like over the years, I've become a lot more open with them, but okay. initially it was hard. Okay. So we definitely have a lot of common ground there. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> okay. Think- so Eden, how would you say our parents were to ask, to answer, sorry, her question? Um, I think that like, in terms of who was the more disciplinary individual, I can't give a straight answer on that. Um, I feel like it was both pretty it's both. equally. It's both. Yeah, it's definitely both pretty equally, but like, um, like in slightly different ways. Now, my thing is like, when it came to discipline, the main technique that my parents used was like, I'm not even gonna call it spank. I'm gonna call it beating because that was wild, bro. Like that was actually wild. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I, I don't know. I do feel like both of them disciplined us to a similar degree, mm-hmm. um, but the rhetoric around around it differed. I feel like my dad was very much straight to the point very much bow 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 don't do that again whereas my mom i love my mom so much and if she listens to this hey but (laughs) if she not hey anyways my mom was very much i feel like with my mom like when it came to like discipline it was yes it was a physical thing but there was also like 
a psychological part of it as well. Oh, for sure. Because my mom will be the one to like hide the fufu stick or like she'll be the one to like, like pretend to talk to you about it. And then when, when you're and caught like, lacking, bah! yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. you know, that would be her. So I feel like when it came to discipline, they, they were both equally involved, which I guess is like good that they were involved. You know, I just feel like the way in which they did it could have been improved. Mm. The other day I was talking to my parents about this Mm. and I was like okay because you see this kind of goes back to what you were saying Nadia about how you feel like a little more open with them the communication I talk to my parents a lot like we have a great relationship but the communication talking to your parents and having communication good communication are two different things for Mm. sure so I would say I'm comfortable with my parents but I'm not comfortable telling them everything yeah yeah because of the environment because of the environment that they created when we were younger yeah they always taught us to without realizing it they taught us to associate our mistakes Mm -hmm. or our disagreement with them with their anger almost every single Mm -hmm. time you know what I mean so um and so I feel like I was able to talk to my parents about this but it was not an easy conversation to have this is like the other day maybe like a week or so ago you're bold for real right and (laughs) no I I don't even know how I'm still living here but I was telling them and I was like I was like you know because they were talking about my youngest brother um, okay who is 14 ish I think and obviously because he's that age they're going to deal with him very differently than they deal with noble and I because we are grown you know what I mean um but they were talking about him and they're like oh we need to you know da 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 and in my mind, I'm like, you know, when you did this stuff in the past, I'm going to tell you that it didn't work very well. They're like, well, you turned out good. And I'm like, well, you know, I turned out good because obviously, number one, you're very involved. Number two, I love Jesus. And number Amen. three, uh-huh. and number three, <laughs> number three, I feel like after a certain age, I developed my own sense of morality, not mm. because you were beating me every two seconds. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they were like, well, I think they're like, well, I still think it worked pretty well. And I'm like, I just but you're don't telling them I'm telling you like no especially like obviously there were other things but the majority of it was beating I don't think they're going to beat a 14 year old child like I just don't think that I think at that age you know maybe if you did something really I feel, I even feel like even at my big age if I did something like really bad I feel like my mom would have no problem she just doesn't <laughs> do it anymore you know what I mean I feel yeah. like you know um they always ready though yeah i feel like you know she's always ready to spin the block like, the v- you know. beating is more verbal after you get to high school it's more verbal yeah it's oh, which, more verbal. in my opinion can be worse <laughs> yeah no because okay because more okay, psychological i was about to finish my point but i actually want to talk about that because the verbal borderline abuse is actually crazy yeah, we it's gotta worse get into that. it's okay but bro my parents are like great people this is a disclaimer they're great people i love them they're they're nice people good good people love the party love them yes um but some of the things that i was told you know growing up were not good like i know for a fact i was definitely told oh like you're being stupid you're stupid da, 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 da. and it's like that is definitely not yeah you know what i mean and like i remember um there was something that happened when I was younger and I was so scared to tell my parents, not because they would beat me. I knew they wouldn't beat me over it, but I was really afraid to tell my parents because I was afraid that I would have to deal with them telling me this and the third, them coming from my character. Keep in mind, when this stuff was happening, I was like maybe 11 or 12, so mm-hmm. very young. Um, And I don't know. I feel like if I'm scared to talk to my parents because of the way that they will talk to me back, you know, there is there is a huge problem there. Mm-hmm. There's a huge problem. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Again, my I parents think... are great people and they tried the best that they could, you know. Like yeah. I think my parents are great parents. With the resources and the knowledge they had. They had, exactly. Yeah. But I feel like I'm not going to take these like it's not everything that they used to raise me that I'm going to take to my children. Oh, definitely not. Because now I'm on the other end of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now I feel like we have the spaces to create this type of dialogue whereas our parents they didn't have these types of spaces they could have but it probably was shut down really quickly that's what i'm saying there there are huge generational differences between their generation and ours you know mm. and i think that we should utilize those differences for the better in my opinion yeah um you guys your mic is making a lot of noise so watch it i don't know if you're touching it or what but there's a lot of like it sounds like it's moving so Okay, um, Just we'll cut this up. out. We'll, we'll cut this out. Uh-huh. Should I put it down? Yeah, put it back. Okay. Nadia was holding it, Noble. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. it makes a lot more noise than you think. <laughs> okay, we're going to have to... Hopefully it was good, though. Yeah, hopefully it was fine, because I feel like we were making good points. Yeah. Okay. No, All that's right. fine. Yeah, I can just keep going. Okay, yes. Uh, Five-second um, pause. Five-second pause. Okay. Um, I actually wanted to mention something you said before, Eden, because you were talking about how... How did you say it? Um, I think you said something along the lines of like how our parents, there are certain things that they did where, um, or I guess we did, like we do something wrong and then we'd be afraid of their anger. You said something like that, right? And it's something that I've thought a lot about and talked with my other friends too, who are also African about that. There are so many things, it's really true that we didn't want to do because we were afraid of our parents being upset and we didn't understand why it was wrong. And that's one thing that I all I really want to make sure I don't bring that to my children if I do have children one day, right? Like I don't want them to fear doing something or to not want to do something because they're afraid that I'll be mad. I want them to not do something because it's wrong. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. even though in the end, I, and it goes back to what you were saying about how <clears throat> mommy and daddy said that, oh, you turn out okay. Well, that's because you're not doing wrong things because you're scared of, you know, their reaction. It doesn't necessarily mean you're doing the right thing for the right reason, right? And it, in most situations, it sounds like, okay, that's fine because, like, who's going to be able to tell the difference? But I think it it manifests itself when you grow older and you become an adult. And I feel like this happens to a lot of African kids, right? You become an adult and you go out there and then you're on your own. You have to make your own decisions and things. And then you don't really have the what do you call it? Like the, uh, uh, what's the word? You don't have the personal resolve to be able to hold yourself back, to discipline yourself, to do the right thing because the right thing to do, right? Because maybe you're less scared at that point of your parents yelling at you because you're an adult, you're on your own. You know what I mean? Mm. And so it becomes like even simple things with like, maybe let me not go to this event because I need to clean my house or I need to finish homework <laughs> or something like that, right? Something that like when you were a kid, your parents would yell at you for, but now it's like, okay, when your parents are not around, you're just going to go to the event knowing very well that that's not the right thing for you to do, but yeah, you don't have any problem doing it because you're not scared of your parents yelling at you. Whereas if you really thought about it and was like, hey, this is not the right thing to do, you would do it because it's not morally, or maybe this is not a moral thing, but it's not <laughs> right it for sense. it doesn't it's not practical right do you understand mm -hmm. why i'm saying like yeah yeah and those things it's like if you ask any adult they're gonna be like yeah i know that it's wrong to procrastinate it's not that you don't know but it's like subconscious almost and i found that's happened to me a lot not that situation per se but like a lot of things where it's like wow i'm kind of getting carried away <laughs> because nobody's gonna check me and it's like i need to sit back and be like okay this is wrong because this you know you need to be able to have that self-control that discipline and, and you don't learn that you, you don't, don't learn it learn you're just that. learning oh don't do that because my parents are gonna be mad or if i am gonna do something find a good way to hide it or you mm -hmm. better sell the lie so that they don't figure it out you know which is really it creates problematic adults <laughs> at least adults with trauma which is not great yeah i think going off of that that's a really good point but um like many African kids growing up didn't have the freedom to make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. Even simple things like what school you want to go to. Yes! Like, <laughs> <laughs> like stuff like that. We didn't have the freedom to make those decisions for ourselves. And so yeah. then we become adults and we're in this like very fast paced moving world where we're constantly being faced with decisions and very big decisions. Um, and like you said, like we sometimes don't know how to like handle those decisions mm -hmm. um and so many kids will abuse the freedom they have when they're an adult and just do mm -hmm. what i guess I, I guess what appeals to them most even if it's not what's best for them because they were never given freedom to make their own decisions and make mistakes and learn from yes mm -hmm. um and i think that stems from the fact that african parents struggled to came to this country and so they want us to do everything right go by mm -hmm. the book um and make the, the right decision the first time um, because number one, they don't want to see us fail. Mm -hmm. Number two, yeah. they don't want their work to go in vain. Mm -hmm. And I get that. But then that creates a very, just like an individual that just can't function on their own mm -hmm. um, or just doesn't know how to function as an adult, as maybe other individuals might be able to. 
Um, and I feel like sometimes most African kids have to learn it from like social media or from their friends how to make certain decisions mm-hmm. or they end up going to like other influences when they could have just learned it growing up in the see that's the thing i yeah. think that for me um especially like when i first came to college what i realized is that i was growing up in a system like that i had become like a machine that was programmed to do whatever my parents told me to you know what I mean? And while you're like growing up in the house, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, okay, yeah, you should listen to your parents, but there will come a time when your parents are not there and you have to make decisions on your own. Now, sometimes when I'm, I even catch myself, you know, if I have a decision to make, I will consult my mom first when really I shouldn't. And then she's like, well, why can't you make this decision on your own? And for me, it's like, you know, it kind of stems, it kind of stems from you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it stems from you not allowing me to make those own decisions. In my mind, I think that overly strict parents inherently, although unintentionally, set their children up for failure. They do. So true. You know, because first of all, someone needs to do the um someone needs to look like a, a deep dive, bro, <laughs> into the the pipeline. I don't even know what to call it, but like this pipeline of an African children, African child to going home, going to college very, very far, far away. Now, I didn't go to college very <laughs> far, far away, but a lot of Africans that I do know did go to college very mm-hmm. far, yeah, far ran. away, ran. Because a lot of these people were not, like, they ran. They yeah. were not given the the, the freedom to, to learn and grow because freedom is very, very important, just like you guys are saying. You know, There's so now they're here. There's a link. You know, now they're here. These are the people that are the wildest people. And it's like, question mark? Because... If you had known them before, you would never have imagined them doing whatever, you yeah. know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, and I know that for myself, to a certain extent, even like I've kind of become that person, not like to the hey. fullest extent. No, not not to the full. Oh, not too much. Not, yet. not to the <laughs> fullest extent. Disclaimer. <laughs> but yeah, but like I've come like sometimes like you guys are saying, like I'm really realizing that I need to learn how to regulate my self-control because it's yeah. not something that was ever given to me. Like, I never had the opportunity to be able to exercise that and to grow my own self-control. You know what I mean? Because it was always like, yeah. do this, don't do that. It was never, you make this decision, we will steer you in the right way, but you need to learn how to manage your own affairs. Mm-hmm. And now, all of a sudden, once you get to a certain age, you're dropped in a situation, in several situations, where you have to manage your own affairs. Mm-hmm. Like, in my day-to-day life, I'm not going to call my mom and be like, oh, what should I eat for, for you know, that's like a stupid, like, you yeah. know, example but should i go here or should i go here should i did it like you know what i mean like you have to learn how to regulate your own self-control just like you guys are saying and i feel like in our cultures especially because so many african cultures are are family oriented which is good but so much oriented like hey english they're way too oriented on like respect for elders above everything else even when it is impractical um, or they're wrong. Or yeah, or they're wrong. We don't necessarily get the chance to become, you know, to become you know what I'm saying. Like the word's not coming, but you know what I'm saying. You know what I mean? And I feel like our parents have independence. That's what I'm saying. Our parents have grown to be independent because a lot of them have had to coming here to America. Yeah. But you know, maybe if they were still living overseas, it wouldn't be like that. Or maybe they would have had they would have had to learn it by force or by fire, and it would not have been a cute experience doing so. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When really, as a parent, you could be setting your child up to learn how to be independent on their own. You know, because of cultural values or whatever else, you're going to allow your child to you know walk through brimstone and fire just to become an independent individual. That does not make sense to me. Yeah. And I feel like our parents might not necessarily make the connections between you know their style of parenting. And these issues that we deal with older when we're older because they didn't experience them in the same way, number one. And number two, because maybe they never expanded, you know, their their discourse to a place where they could talk about things like this. Again, going back to the cultural thing, because it's like if you say anything that is not what they think, that it's like, hey, sit down. You know what I mean? Rude. Like that, You're yeah, rude. You're that's disrespectful. The that's the one. Uh, hey, bro. I got expressed myself. And you just hear me out. Without That's being what? told that, oh, you're being rude. You're being rude. No, like, bro, Nadia. Okay, I have a story time. This happened this summer, bro. Story time, okay. This summer, right? Noble and I were, we were just chilling with our parents. I don't even remember the, 
the circumstance, the situation. All I remember is that we were chilling with our parents and something came up and Noble and I were trying to communicate to our parents that like, you know, sometimes, you know, when, when you say things, you know, sometimes it's just wrong. And we don't even mean that in a disrespectful way. We're not even saying that in, in a disrespectful way, you know, at all. But you always seem to take offense to it, you know, even yeah. though at this point in our lives, 22 and 19, yeah. you know, we're going to have we're, we're going to have different opinions than you. You know, we have our own lives mm-hmm. and we need to be allowed to steer them in our own direction with input from you is entirely fine. But, you know, I remember sometimes. Yeah, sometimes I remember what see, it stemmed from. You do? Yeah, it stemmed from. I don't really want to get into all the details of it, but basically it's like mommy thought I was doing something that I was not actually doing, but she was convinced she knew, even though she Mm. was not there doing it with me. And that's a very common thing. I think with African parents, it's like they think they know everything you're doing Mm -hmm. when in fact you may be in college, for example, and they're not with you at every moment to even know, but they, they think they know, but they're actually wrong. Yeah. And it's like, you're you're never allowed to say like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're, you're never allowed to say like, Oh, you know, this that's not entirely accurate let me explain myself you know but and then because if you do that then it's rude and then if you don't do that they keep going and it gives very accusatory like whenever they they see something or at least they think they see something that you are doing or not doing and they don't like it then they'll start accusing you and it becomes very mentally and emotionally draining extremely you know and you're not allowed to clear your name or else all of a sudden it is rude Grace knows and actually Grace. Right. right. It's like, how does that make sense? <laughs> no, because like, no, bro, no, like what, bro, the amount of things I know about some of my friends, some of my African friends that exactly. ideally I should not be knowing. Yeah, because their parents were talking to our parents uh-huh. about it and they should not have been. We're like, ah, I dang. It's not mixed. Sorry, the Ghanaian is really jumping out at me today but it just like it just is not making sense to me at all it does not add up like one plus one is not three i just i don't know i don't understand it at all and i sure hope my parents end up there spreading my business i i feel like <laughs> bro, I, you I may like never know. know better you I may feel never like my parents know. know better bro i feel yeah, like my parents no, know better. yeah i don't think i don't for the most part i don't think our parents do yeah, I've never true. really had the English, except for that one time Dad was preaching the sermon, Eden, and then, oh but my then he was just saying we're, things that were untrue. Bro, one thing about my <laughs> they weren't even correct. Bro, if my dad has listened to this, hey, but <laughs> bro, one thing about him is that he's, if he's in church, he's gonna make up. Some, and also, we need to talk about African parents and religion because I oh, feel like, <laughs> bro, I I'm about to get to that next. But long story short, I don't think I've met a single African that was not at least raised like religious which is absolutely i'm still Definitely. i'm christian like oh, yeah. i'm christian i, I love, love being christian amen but, but black please, people like, in general general yeah, and i think yeah. it's a lot of it stems from the fact that black people have had a lot of struggles in this world right mm-hmm. and faith is one of the few things that i think has kept us sane for centuries frankly right but but i did want to before we go to religion i did want to say really quickly um to bounce off of eden's point I do think it's very important. And it's one thing I want to make sure I do if I do have children that we allow our children to make mistakes and to make decisions sometimes. Like there are going to be times as a parent, you need to say, no, you need to do this, right? You can't be like a lot of white parents and just let your children decide everything. And then you have no control, right? Because we've all seen how that ends. But there are some situations where your kids, and especially as they go into high school, college and start to become adults, they need to be able to make those decisions for themselves without being the mistakes yeah you can give them the advice and say hey this is the way you should go but by the end of the day it's up to you and when you're able to make mistakes and you know suffer the consequences of those mistakes that's how you learn you know Mm -hmm. if you don't ever make that mistake because your parents just pushed you this way you didn't have the option deep down you don't understand why it's so bad you know you may think you understand where your parents coming from but also, in a way, you may not think it's as bad as they are saying it is, right? Until you find out for yourself. And I think that's the thing sometimes, like, kids need to be allowed to make mistakes and deal with the consequences. That's how you learn, you know? But, you know, it is very much what you said, Nadia, that 
African parents, being immigrants here, they want us to succeed. They want us not to struggle and have to do with things that they dealt with. So right. it's very understandable for them to be like, please go this way, because I may have made that mistake when I was a kid, and I don't want you to make the same thing. But mm -hmm. there are some things you got to make the mistake to learn. Sometimes you have to touch the stove and get burned, I feel. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. No, it's very true. Um, I think we're heading towards religion mm -hmm. and just talking about back to that place. Now, for me, um, like I said, love my parents and I love the way they raised me because mm -hmm. religion was never forced down my throat. Um, and it's crazy because I know for a lot of African kids, like it very much was, and mm -hmm. that caused a bit of um just like disconnect between them and God. And I think it's very unfortunate. Mm -hmm, very. But that's that's actually very common for a lot of African kids. Um, in my situation though, like if I was sick or maybe I was tired or I just didn't feel like going to church, I didn't have to. And that's something I'm definitely going to give my kids the choice to choose. Now, giving them the choice to choose um, another religion is something that I'm still forming opinions on because I feel like within my household, I want my kids to be Christian. Um, however, I would never want to force it upon them. I feel that's a very tricky situation. So as um, someone that's like still a young adult, I don't have like a full opinion on that. However, with my parents, it was never forced on me. Um, and I chose God for myself. And because of that, I have, I would say a very healthy relationship with God um, that I'm grateful for. But I think within African churches, there is a lot of judgment. Um, and a lot of misunderstanding between the youth and the older generation because the older generation they just they're so stuck in their ways um mm. and yeah, they are not ready for it Mangina. uh <laughs> they're not ready for it nadia but go ahead they're so stuck in their ways um and they're not willing to see things from our um for years i was in the church choir and before coming to college i quit um singing is something that i love to do but I just didn't feel like it was for me anymore. And thinking about it now, the reason I felt like that is because I felt judged. I felt condemned for me. I, I didn't feel like I was doing it for for me or to bring me closer to God. And it's because number one, it was low key, not a decision that I made for myself. Mm. Another story itself. Heavy on that. Um, even though it was something that I love to do, I just feel like because I wasn't able to make a decision for myself, and because there was so much judgment involved that kind of distanced me from God and distanced me from love and choir in general. Um, hmm. Yeah. I think, um, okay, I understand, like, we, you hate English, but what you're saying <laughs> makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I think, I wouldn't say that my parents necessarily forced religion on me either, but I would say that they did not give me that much of a choice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Now, I'm not mad at that because I feel like my parents very much were the type of people to say, you know, we cannot like do your religion for you. Like we cannot we cannot believe in God or have a relationship with God on behalf. Yeah, on behalf of you. You that's something you have to do for yourself. So I feel like them telling me that was very good from a religious point of view. Mm -hmm just because um, it allowed me to realize that this religion was something, at least religion or at least spir spirituality would be something that I would have to do on my own. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it, like it's not going to be my dad, you know, my dad's relationship with Christ that makes me saved. Like, that's, yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm, I don't know, I'm really happy for my parents. I'm really happy that my parents emphasized that to me. You know what I mean? The only thing I wish they would have done differently is allowed their, allowed their, I don't know if I'm saying this right, but I wish they had allowed there to be more room for questions. Um, and Noble can Noble can speak to this on many volumes. And sometimes whenever we're with our family, this even still happens from time to time. I feel like, um, especially because now I have my own opinions about religion and stuff. Again, I'm still very much Christian, but I would not say I am Christian in the same way that my parents are. I'm just not. You know what I mean? But I feel like when I was younger, at least, um, we I would have certain questions and they would immediately be shot down yeah. immediately and not only would they be shot down shot down sometimes in the response you know there would be just like 
an insult to almost my intelligence. And as a young child, especially one that was so, I know as a child, I was really eager to learn about everything under the sun. Sometimes that very much shut it down, you know? We would have family worships, you know? And I feel like my parents wanted us to, you know, talk and participate. But whenever we did, if it wasn't exactly on the same page, that theirs was, it would be shut down. Yeah. So that's, that doesn't encourage your children to participate. So it would get to a point where we would be having family worship and my dad would be like, why is nobody saying anything? Da, 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 da. And again, it goes back to you because we try to make comments. And even if we make comments that are not inherently, you know, against what he is saying or my mom was saying, you know, it would be like, a, oh, what you're saying is very vague. It's not deep enough. You know, da, da, da. like sometimes like we, we would exactly sometimes we would pray together as a family. Here they go. Oh, your prayer. My dad, he used to love to say your prayer is not sensible enough. What ah. do you mean? Like, in my mind, I'm just like, I'm talking to God. Like, I don't exactly like I don't I don't really know what you mean by sensible enough. Like, I don't know. Like, does that mean I'm not using enough big words? Like, you know, That's what I'm saying? Like, you and God, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just blew me every single time. And so over time, I feel like. I, okay, looking back, I think it got to a point where I was following religion for my parents more so than for myself. And when I came to that realization, that day was a really, really crazy day for me, you know, because I was like, that means that my entire background growing up in this church is basically like, it's not a good, I don't know what I'm saying right now, but it's the foundation is not strong. Yeah, I need to sit down and reevaluate everything. You know what I mean? And I feel like I'm still kind of in the process of reevaluating that, you know, because so much of, of my childhood was spent with, spent, hey, spent trying to get validation from my mom and my dad for them to say, oh, you know, what you're saying is very, is very profound, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. And then for the church thing, I feel like, um, and I love my church. Our church was not entirely African, yeah. um, but there were quite a few. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why, you know, like a lot of my friends growing up were African. So we had that community and that community was probably the best thing that's ever happened to me. Aww. That community is probably, it's part of the reason I'm so happy and so outspoken about being Ghanaian and being African. You know, I feel like if I didn't have that community, I would have lost that identity such a long time ago. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But that community was also very interesting because I feel like we were pushed in several ways to do certain things and um they always put an emphasis on participating in church which is always fun and great you know and we would make the decision to do that but if you want to remove yourself for whatever reason it got very difficult to do that from time to time you know even now like I'm looking back and even now because I'm still very much a part of that church you know in in looking at you know okay separating myself maybe not like in a bad way like not separating myself from that church but separating myself from like okay i don't feel like doing these things anymore or i don't have the bandwidth to do things like that anymore it's always a problem always a problem you know what i mean um go ahead okay another thing i wanted to add a lot of african churches do things for show oh because mm -hmm. this is coming and she wants to see you sing or you have to do this because you're a pastor's daughter or yada, yada, yada. The things of God, number one, should never be forced. And it, it should be something you want to do. Mm, God amen. Any of us to serve him. It should be a conscious decision um, and something that you're feeling called to do from your heart. And I feel like in a lot of African churches, serving and being involved is pushed upon the kids. And like even the saying, like, it just exists thing where like when you do want to back out it's seen as you're trying to run away from the things of god but it's like no i'm running away from you, you know? hey, <laughs> yeah. no you got it like you literally like, got you. it like, i'm running away from you because you are pushing this on me this is not yeah. what god wants for me you don't even know that did you pray about it i haven't prayed about it Ooh, right telling me this is what i need to do no this is a you didn't give prayer. me you didn't give me the, op the, op the option the opportunity to even be able to pray about it it's just can you do it yes no like, and you better say yes. And that, honestly, in my, at least in my experience, that happens in all churches, not just African churches. Yeah. But yeah. Africans sort of tend to exacerbate it because, yes, A, our sure. culture, you know, appreciates respecting your elders. Yes. Yeah. And 
B, also, we appreciate religion a lot, and especially service, acts of service, whether it is religion or outside of religion. Yes. I feel like those are things that are really big to African culture, so it sort of makes it a little worse. But we don't go to an African church, even though we have a lot of Africans, and Love, not we African experience church. that all the time. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the Africans be pushing. Yeah. But um, I did want to say from earlier, um, another thing, too, like when we were growing up, because you were talking about being able to ask questions and stuff. Um, I think we've talked a little bit about before, but we haven't talked too much about our faith on the podcast, but most people listening know we're Seventh-day Adventists. And well, Noble and I are not, yeah. not Nadia. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Thank you that. for the correction. Yeah. And a lot of things, a lot of the thing that we've heard a lot, and especially from the Africans, I don't feel like it comes from all of our church, mostly from the Africans, is like, oh, when we ask a question, they'd be like, oh, you know, how are you Adventist king? You don't know this. You should know this, right? Oh my and goodness, so it makes bro. you feel like you can't. That's why I want to tie in what we said earlier about asking questions. It also makes you feel like you can't ask questions because then you're going to be judged for like, you know. Not being a good enough Adventist. You're like, not that a does good not enough make Adventist, sense. you know, which is also kind of a very African thing thing in a sense because it almost sounds like you're in school and the teacher's like, why don't you know this? We talked about it already type mm. thing, you know? I've heard that way so too many times. That was something that really... For me, sometimes it made me a little nervous to ask questions. But as I've grown older, I've come to care less about that because I've building your own relationship with Christ is really important, right? And one of a part of that is being able to understand things for yourself. So I've kind of stopped caring about what do people care like if I should know it, I don't, I don't. So let me ask and let me learn, right? Right. Kind of like if you're in class and you're asking a question that you know you should know, right? You may feel embarrassed. Everybody else is like, we already we talked about like this kid should know yeah. that this is easy, but the professor doesn't really care about that most likely because the teacher just wants you to learn the material, right? Mm -hmm. But I did want to say too, I kind of feel like when it comes to religion in general and like how parents should deal with it, teaching it to their kids is I see religion as, and most people consider it by definition as part of your value system, part of your belief system, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want your kids to have moral values, right? things that are right and wrong, right? You don't want your kids to steal, to lie, to kill people, to do anything that's, you know, clearly morally wrong, right? You wouldn't say to your kid, okay, this is the right thing to do. The right thing is not to steal, but I'm going to let you choose to decide if you're going to steal this or not, right? Mm -hmm. You can't say that to a kid, <laughs> right? You can't give that them that option, that power, right? They need to be steered in the correct direction, right? Because many may take the wrong option, but even if they don't, right, you want your kids to understand that values are important, right? And this is the way that you expect them to go. Now, when they turn 18 and when they're an adult, then it's different, right? That, that is up to them. And you can encourage them at that point. By that point, you as an adult need to be able to stand for yourself and be like, okay, this is what I believe in. These are my values. So for me, I've always seen religion as that way. You know, everybody teaches religion to their kids differently. But I know, especially for us as Adventists, the Bible says train your child in the way that he should go or she should go. And when they're young, they'll not depart from it, right? So for us, we feel like it's very important that you do teach your children your faith and what you believe, right? And when they're adults, they may depart from it. They may not. But then that decision's up to them between their God. So I've always struggled a lot with, you know, I know there's a lot of parents, especially these days, you know, especially... um palm colored ones um <laughs> who will be like who'll be like like for example they'll be like okay we're going to church and the kids like i don't want to go to church i just don't want to go and they're like okay you don't have to go right and on one hand i understand that like you don't want to force religion on your kids you don't want to force anything because then they're not learning but at the same time if you're always letting your kid be like i don't want to go to church and you're letting them you know make that decision have that power are they going to be able to really learn and understand the importance of and the value of that religion in your life, right? And even be able to have enough understanding to say when they grow up, okay, I want to go this way or not go this way, right? So I feel like religion, at least for me, is one of those things that um, you have to be very clear in terms of like your, um, your authority as the parent, right? And saying, okay, we're going to church. This is why we go to church, right? It's not where I'm just forcing you to go to church. This is why we go to church. This is why we believe what we believe, right? Yeah. And not let your kids sort of take over <laughs> in that sense, in terms of the pyrodynamic, because that can happen too. 
not really to Africans, I don't think, because African parents will never let that happen. But with other families, that can happen too. And so you don't want it to become, you know, the power of dynamic to become flipped. But at the same time, you don't want to force it. You want them to be able to understand the importance and to be able to have their own relationship with church, with God themselves. And then when they're an adult, then they can make that decision. But I feel like that's a mistake a lot of people make too on the other side of the spectrum. There's the African side, right? That's really strict. But there's also the other side where people are kind of like, okay, you can do whatever you want. But if you're letting your 10-year-old kid do whatever they want, right? They're probably not always going to choose the right thing, right? You're saying you can eat all the candy you want. They're going to eat all the candy they want, right? Because candy is sweet. Saying is good, right? <laughs> so I, that's kind of how I feel about like religion. It's like a value, right? just like right or wrong, right? You're not going to let your kid decide on their own what is right and wrong. You're going to teach them. But it's, I agree that it's very, very important that like you make sure you're trying to understand like why you believe what you believe when it comes to religion, why it's important and that they also need to be able to form that connection to Christ or if it's another religion, whoever you believe in or whatever you believe, they need to be able to have the understanding on their own right? It's not their parents understanding that they're running with and they're not doing it for their parents' approval. Because in the end, when people do grow up that way, then in the end, when they become adults, usually they depart from it anyway, because they never had any real connection to it. But um, yeah, religions are tricky. That's why I will say this last thing, and then I'll stop talking because I've been talking for a while. But that's why I've I always struggle to understand how people who are in families with two religions how they balance it right it's it's very people, tricky we're doing it some i don't know how it. but bless them it's very hard because how do you teach your children like both religions and then and be able for them to be able to understand the importance of both and not feel like you know they have to go with one over the other or they have to prefer one over the other you know or even to not just not feel overwhelmed as well i feel yeah. like i will feel overwhelmed i know some people some people do it yeah, basically the entire country of Sierra Leone. But beside <laughs> the point, beside the point, um, I, see I feel like as a family, from. you'd want your whole family to have the same values. At least right? for me. So when I you have so, yeah. when you have two different religions, those are two opposing, you know, value systems. I mean, the moral values will probably be the same, right? There'll be some yeah. things in common, but but I mean, it's not that it can't be done because a lot of people do it, but yeah. it's a lot trickier <laughs> i agree that's what i was saying earlier like for me i'm going to take my kids to church when they're young yeah however it's never going to be a thing where i'm forcing it down their throat i agree I like yeah it definitely i feel like it definitely i've heard way too many stories in which it does and so i don't know i maybe i i'm still trying to figure out how i'm going to do that i feel like one problem that i have is when people like i think a lot of times like christians in general uh couple like a sense of morality to religion and i feel like that's such a big problem to me because whenever we talk to individuals who are not religious or even are not christian we always automatically look down on them as if they have like a messed up sense of morality which is very problematic to me you know what i mean and so i feel like yes like i do want like religion to be like an important thing in my household if i have kids but at the same time i still i feel like i still want there to be a little bit of like mobility between that like between where they stand because i want it to be something that they choose for themselves you know i don't know i will get it together by the time i'm a parent right yeah yeah but i yeah. understand i understand all points of view i understand all points of view where this like it is personally i do think it's very important and for those of us who believe in the bible the bible talks a lot about it that you are when you're getting to relationship with somebody when you're marrying somebody and starting a family that you do marry somebody that shares those values with you especially your faith and your religion because it does make it very difficult right um because a lot of times in many families what ends up happening is the kids are forced to go one way they can't even experience both because like one parent feels strongly about their way and the other parent feels strongly about theirs so i feel like to be able to have even any effectiveness with your kids you need to be on that same page right and then if your kids choose to go a different way when they grow older that's fine because that's their decision right mm. but for when they're younger and it's those formative years they're being taught right they need to be to be able to have like one 
message <laughs> being sense. shared with Makes them. Sense. At least that's always been my my understanding of it. Because you can it can be confusing, but um people people have their ways <laughs> of doing it. People do it works for them, but it's not easy, I know for sure. It's not easy at all. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy crap. <laughs> Oh, um, I know there's more we could talk about. There's so much there's, more. No, this is so deep. Like growing up African, there's so many things. I I, I find so much joy in it though. Like I'm so proud to be African. For sure. Oh, so much, bro. It's a lot. First of all, African <laughs> music is the best music in the world. Period. period. Argue uh-huh. with your mother. Argue with oh, your I mother and father. I don't <laughs> care. It definitely is. Like the beats, the the dancing, like it eats. I love the diversity, you know, of African mm. music, right? I feel like in, in, in the American music landscape, in our industry, it's kind of like, depending on who you are, what your background is, what your race is, you're kind of expected to do one thing or the other, right? Mm. White, white people are expected to do country and pop. Black people are expected to do rap and R&B, right? That's and I feel like that's the, the beauty. And when people try to do others, the music industry, specifically here in America, makes it so difficult for those people. And I think it's just beauty that like African music, like there's pop elements in it, there's rap elements, there's art, yeah. like there's all the different types, right? And people can just yeah. make the yeah. music that appeals to oh, them. Wow. Yes, gospel. Let me not forget, please. Yeah. Diana Hamilton. That's my little woman. Bro, that, that's Bay. <laughs> we love her. <laughs> awesome. Like, come on. <laughs> Period. But um, um, go ahead, Noble. I mean, that was pretty much my point. I think just there's that's the beauty of African music if we're talking about about that but um we are pretty much coming up on an hour mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody had any final thoughts we might have to circle back and continue this episode and you know like have a part two or something yeah. I know Eden we talked before about doing like a like product of immigration like immigrant kids episode so yeah because we, i we think didn't we may have to like academic stuff yeah i think we may have to do that stuff. episode and have nadia come back yes and maybe yes. some other people for some other places yeah that I would yeah that would be good about especially about my experiences with other cultures or just people that aren't african and how they saw me and how that made me see myself like, mm. I, I could talk about that for all day so, hey I, honestly, it's just a miracle that I'm so outspoken about being about being African. Because now, He's see, that's not. the thing. It's God only. Because like my thing is like now it's cool to be African, but when I was 11, 12, yeah. it was not cool. African booty scratcher, this and that. Please shut your mouth. American you. American culture has changed in that way. That like now we're getting to this place where you know obviously there's a lot more cultural appropri- appreciation, not appropriation. I mean, uh, that there's too. both. That too. But <laughs> like for now, real. people have a lot more cultural appreciation and are realizing that a lot of what we consider to be American culture was taken from Black people and one way or another whether it was african americans or actual african africans like culture so influenced by them you know america is really a cultural melting pot so now it's cool to be black because everybody's taking from black culture in one way or another but that's another discussion too <laughs> for another day yeah all righty well i guess we'll we'll wrap it up here yeah this was good yeah, this was a great conversation. Thank you, Nadia, so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Like I said, this is it's good to have these conversations. Um, I think it helps just to reflect on life. Yeah. Whatever. For sure. Yeah, I I like us bringing friends on. We need to do it a little more, Eden. <laughs> yeah, we do. Because the first few episodes or most of the episodes this season have been just us. So we got to keep bringing guests on. Mm-hmm. Um, But thank you, everyone, who's tuned in to listen. Um, we'll put Nadia's social media in the description box along with ours and everything else that is there. So please make sure to follow (laughs) us and do all those things. Um, and yeah, and definitely like, can you comment on podcasting? I don't think so. No, you would like, (laughs) I I, I forgot from it. There's not YouTube. If you would like us to talk more about like, African households, growing up with African parents, being children or immigrants, 
let us know. That you can do on social media. Even you can put a comment there, let us know, because I think we should, those are conversations we could continue for mm. sure, you know? And I'd like to invite some of my other friends too, like who are my Asian friends and stuff mm. and, to, and Latino friends to bring like their, you know, their viewpoints as well. Because mm. that would be a really good episode. But anyway, um, any last thoughts, guys? Or shall we just sign off? It's your fave, Kenyan Liberian. Girl. Hey, 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 <laughs> please out. sit down. <laughs> hey, sit down. <laughs> Bro, we're so unserious. We're so unserious, man. It's crazy. <laughs> this was fun. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, people. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>